good morning, everyone. You don't have to say good morning back if you don't want to. This is contemplative service. Um, it's okay to be be quiet, sit in stillness. But um, uh, for those of you who are who are newer to our community here at Liminal, maybe here for the first time, I think I see maybe one or two new faces. Um, on the last Sunday of every month here, we, uh, we mix things up a little bit. Um, so instead of the usual band coming up, singing songs, having a teaching, you know, the whole kind of more traditional church thing, um, we, we take some time here to slow down, um, to find some stillness, to spend time uh, sitting in silence thinking, praying, receiving, maybe just letting go. Um, so that's what we're, that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, my name is Andrew, for those of you who, uh, who don't know me or haven't met me. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of, kind of on the rotation of folks that uh, facilitate this time and um, I'm really, really grateful uh, to be here. Hey, <laughs> uh, it's it's a it's a joy and uh, an honor um, to be able to create this space and and share this space uh, with you guys. So let's go ahead and and move into it here. <clears throat> uh, so this morning I want to. I want to open space for us to spend some time uh, getting in touch with desire. Oh, was I supposed to dismiss the kids? They're good to go. All right. Whoops. Uh, I want to spend some time thinking, uh, thinking about desire. Um, can go to the next slide. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the ancient Roman philosopher Seneca said, uh, if one does not know to which port one is sailing, no wind is favorable. Well, why do I start with that quote? Um, so in, in recent contemplative services, the past several that we've done, uh, Wayne and Jenny have created some really, really sweet uh, space for us to to let go, uh, to release, to surrender, uh, to kind of give up the the need for control that that many of us so desperately cling to, and and that's a gift to have that space offered to us because um, we really need that right that letting go, um, that letting go of the illusion that that we're in control, that we're the captains of our own fate. Um, I know I need that. Uh, but today, I want to extend an invitation uh, to step into another, another side of the paradox of faith. Um, yes, it's about surrender, letting go, release. Amen and amen. Um, but also, faith is active. Um, 
It's stepping out of the boat. It's asking for something. It's taking action. And, and I think the healthy, integrated life of faith, the healthy spirituality, is paradoxically both, both passive and active, receptive and reaching out, proactive. <clears throat> um, so in a, in a community called Liminal, uh, which in our, our very name carries with it this sense of like being in the in-between, right? Being in a place of not knowing uh, or of unknowing. Uh, I recognize there may be some risk in intention uh, for some of us in trying to create space to get in touch with our own desires. You know, when we don't really know, may not have a sense of what comes next. Um, but that's, that's what I hope we can do together this morning. So maybe, maybe find a sense of what, what port we want to head to where safe harbor is, where's home, where do we want to go? And once we know that, um, we'll, we'll know which winds are favorable. <clears throat> uh, so I believe, um, actually I'll, I'll, I'll take a quick, quick aside here. I didn't write this down, so I'm going off script here a little bit. We talk a lot about the, uh, the Enneagram here. Uh, I know Wayne mentioned that uh, last Sunday. Um, so I, I lead with uh, the nine filter, which for those of you who know, one of the big questions uh, for, for the nine, I know there are a lot of nines out here, is what do I want? Like that's, like that's the big question of knowing, like what do I actually want? Like we're so good at kind of shape-shifting. And so I, I acknowledge a little bit of my own uh, filter bias in asking this question, but um, I, I think it's important for all of us. Um, and yeah, I, I think that getting in touch with desire, living out of our heart's deepest desires, is, is part of how we grow and part of how we're going to flourish as a community. So um, to make space for that, I'm going to walk us through a series of three biblical texts this morning. Um, and as we move through them, I hope that we can all be reminded afresh that our desires are something that God longs for us to name and to express and to wrestle with. Um, they're holy ground sacred space. Uh, you should all have a, a handout, a little one page, front and back of uh, these texts, some questions, some room for notes. Um, so with that, you may have some sense of where we're going, but we'll take each of them one at a time, read through it. Uh, there's some questions on there uh, from each passage to consider. Uh, for those of you who are, who are joining us online, Hey, good to have you. Um, we'll, we'll have those up on, up on the screen as well. <clears throat> All right, let's take, take some time um, before we step into this just to be silent. Take a few deep breaths. 
in and out. Find some stillness. begin with with reckoning with the shadow side of desire. Uh, Maybe some of us, myself included, um, grew up in or have spent time in faith communities and sort of theological traditions that are very wary and skeptical of of any sort of desire and and kind of have as a goal like detaching from that. Um, and I think it's it's true, we have to be honest that that there there is can be a shadow side to to what we want or what it seems like we want. Um, and it's important to name that reckon with it and bring some some curiosity towards that so this first text I'll, I'll read it with us here this is from the book of James what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you is it not this that your passions are at war within you you desire and do not have so you murder You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. (laughs) There's a risk in naming our desire and asking for things because it might not happen. You desire and do not have. What do you do with that? It can be easier to turn towards anger, hate, and destruction when we don't get what we want than to live with that ache of unmet desire. I like how Wayne... uh, last week defined, defined passion. I think it's, it's applicable here. Um, he called it the disordered self-referential emotions which in turn divide the heart. So, what do you want that you haven't asked for? Something getting in the way of you naming that desire? What shadow desires have you settled for? Rather than shaming or trying to suppress these desires, consider that they may be clues, inviting you to discover the deeper, truer, God-given longings of your heart. 
And could it be possible that your addictions or vices, whatever, whatever you want to call them, are actually masking the pain of an unrealized or unmet desire that you're currently holding? Let's take some time to sit in silence with these questions.
so so we can acknowledge acknowledge the shadow side right sometimes things come out sideways things that we seem to want lead us into places that are are hurtful and destructive But I, I wonder I wonder what would happen if we interrogated that sense of what what we think we want and, and try to go go a layer beneath that. Ask ourselves, no, what what do you really want? What's underneath that? What's behind it? <clears throat> There's a divine invitation, I believe, that's, that's asking us that question. <clears throat> uh, this is from uh, an account from the book of Mark. I know we've heard a lot from Mark, but we're going to go back to this passage one more time. From Mark 10. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving Jericho, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked them. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I put that, that question in bold there. Um, I'm not here to preach a sermon on this text. Someone already did that uh, earlier this year, last, but, but I am struck by what Jesus says here. He doesn't just jump straight into the healing. He stops and asks the man, what do you want me to do for you? What a striking question. We think it's, the answer is obvious. But why did Jesus do that? Why did he stop and ask? Could God be asking you 
that same question today, right now. So as we move into this next time of silence, I invite you to, to close your eyes and picture Jesus in your mind's eye approaching you, asking the same question. What do you want me to do for you? And pay attention. How, how do you feel? What comes up? When you imagine, imagine being asked that by the divine. How would you answer? What's the first thing that comes up? Take note of this, then consider the question again. What comes up after, after you spend a few minutes thinking about it?
last portion of our our movement through this meditation on desire. Is to consider the power of persistence. risky power of persistence. This last text is from from Luke 18. Uh, It's a parable. Jesus tells his disciples, only, only shares this with his inner circle. And Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. (laughs) And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? honest moment here sometimes I I don't know what to do with this parable if I'm honest I sometimes I don't like it because at first glance uh, at least to me it it feels cruel potentially because how many times have we cried out have I cried out and been left waiting How many times has a loved one cried out with no answer? How many people in our country, how many people around the world right now are crying out for justice, have been for years, decades, centuries, and not getting it? And yet the text tells us that Jesus told this parable to show the disciples that they should always pray and not give up. So in a weird way, I, I actually like that I don't like this text. Um, because it means there's something there to wrestle with. Some sort of mystery to step into. And maybe, maybe, 
on the other side of that, there's some hope to be found. So I'm just going just gonna to give you this one, the face value. All right, do with it what you will. there's something you've been desiring that you've given up asking for or pursuing why'd you stop what does it feel like to be left waiting for justice for healing for reconciliation in that in between space how does it hurt What do you think of this parable? You can be honest. Does it seem more unrealistic and threatening? Or hopeful and encouraging? Maybe, maybe, maybe both. Let's take some time to, to ponder these things.
we get ready to transition into time of communion, the end of our service this morning. Um, one, one last little, little, little poem, little text to to share as we we walk through this, walk out of this time. And again, hold it up and offer it as, as, as an invitation, as perhaps a, uh, a port, a harbor to, to set sail for, if we're, not, if we're not already there. From Psalm 27, one thing have I asked of the Lord, one thing have I asked that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple Across this, uh, this little nugget from Father Richard Rohr that I think captures really well the the space that we we step into and and receive in communion in this sacrament. <clears throat> he says the Trinity can only be understood with the contemplative mind. It is only God in you that understands. Your small mind cannot. This is participative knowledge. The Trinity can't be proved rationally. You must experience its flow in your life on different levels. You must have moments where you know that a big life is happening inside you, Holy Spirit, yet beyond you, Father, and also as you, Christ, beloved child of God. Unfortunately, Christians mostly gave up even to trying to understand the Trinity. But if we're resolved that we want to go into the mystery then I think we must seek to understand the Trinity experientially and contemplatively. To approach the Trinity in this way is not to understand at all, but to stand under a waterfall of infinite and loving flow. I can't give you a nice, clean, theological textbook definition of what happens in, in communion, but I, I like this language. This is, this is part of participating in that mystery. It's part of stepping into, in a very visceral, embodied, tactile way, 
that divine flow and love. So as we move into communion, a reminder that all, all are invited to come to the table. And as the music plays, James will be continuing to provide ambient music. Thank you, James, by the way. Really appreciate you creating this space with us. Um, as the music plays, you can come up these two middle aisles here. Take a cracker. Crackers are gluten-free. In an empty cup, one of the ushers uh, will fill the cup with non-alcoholic juice. You can take the elements uh, back to your seat and uh, intake those uh, whenever you're ready in your own time. And then after service, there will be a spot over at the, the coffee bar um, for your empty cups. So, my friends, come to the table of the Lord.
you all for being here. Thanks for 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 sharing into sharing in this space, for entering into these questions together. I know anytime we have one of these contemplative services, it's can be a little bit of a risk walking in, not really sure what you're gonna get, who's gonna be up here, what sort of crazy exercises or questions they're gonna ask you. <laughs> but uh, as a, a final, final encouragement, uh, I'd invite you guys to to not let the work end here. Uh, if there's something that came up for you today, maybe a fresh insight into your heart, maybe a, a, a wound that you didn't realize was there maybe or that you'd been suppressing, uh, I invite you to, to talk to someone about it. Find a friend, loved one, Take some time in prayer. Maybe even find someone in this room. Because like the blind man, Bartimaeus, who had the courage to answer Jesus' question, there can be healing, something activating, something empowering in naming our desire in the presence of another person especially someone who loves us and cares about us a whole lot. Um, we've got the, the picnic this afternoon. I don't need to make any announcement about that, do I? If you need more information, talk to, talk to the folks outside. Um, but I think that would be a great, great space to, to share, to keep this conversation going, to take it outward among us. Um, you're welcome to, to stay in here, to, to remain in this space, to, to stay in silence for a little bit longer if you need to. Got one last little, one last little offering if you do want to sit around a few more minutes. This is from a, a poem, a prayer from St. Catherine of Siena. She says, I have seen what you want. It is there. The beloved of infinite tenderness. Thank you again. Blessings.